It's the RU Review, sponsored by Zebra Pen. Find Zen in your pen. A nice win versus UMass. We're at week number two on the road versus Iowa. We're back with RU Radio Color Analyst Eric Legrand after a quick word from our sponsor. When seeking to find your path to enlightened writing, look to Zebra Pen for products that deliver on style, function, and value. Find Zen in your pen. Zebra Pen. Find us at your local retailer or online at zebrapen.com. And follow us on social media. And we have Eric Legrand with us. Eric, nice uh, first week. It was a, it was a shaky start, certainly a horrible first quarter. We got to shake off the bad vibes, baby. It was a win. Let's go. <laughs> but hey, they, they they you know listen listen they gathered themselves and uh, ended up uh, dominating the rest of the way. Second quarter was amazing. A total bounce back there, and and a good win for our you. Absolutely, you know after talking with you know Coach Ash as well, and that stuff kind of happens when you got a new coach and staff coming in. From Florida, from Florida State, so you, it's hard to watch what they're actually going to do. And they did hit them with their, that first punch in that first quarter because, you know, you watch film on Florida State, but UMass has different players and different personnel, so it's a little bit different schematically on what they're going to do, and they know exactly what workers wanted to do. So and that's why they got hit with that first punch in the beginning, but workers made the adjustments, and you saw what happened after that pretty much. Yeah, it was, for me... It was far different than last year with the opening win against Texas State. Both looking at the years, okay, so you start 1-0 and at home against a team you should beat, and then you go into the teeth of your schedule. But for me, watching that game, despite the early jitters, I thought it was a different-looking team entirely. I think it was clear that uh, McLean Carter was the right choice at quarterback. I mean, Bo Melton, welcome to Rutgers football. Isaiah Pacheco picked up where he left off. Uh, it, it just, to me, there just seems to be a different feel. We'll see what Saturday brings, but at this point, I, I just think there's a different sense at Rutgers than there was last year, no question. I believe so as well. He probably got a bunch of playmakers. I was talking to Coach Ash last night, and he said that he's got playmakers on the team, but this is the most that I think he's had at one time and been able to develop some of these guys. Bo Melton came out as a highly recruited guy, a four-star guy out of South Jersey, but it took him some time, and now the fruits of his labor are finally paying off year three yet, and we saw what he was able to do. You know, everyone wants to say, hey, you know, it's against UMass. Yes, that is very true, but some of the catches that he made were great. Just not that touchdown catch where you have somebody draping over his shoulder with a safety coming in and trying to separate him from the ball. But there was a big third down play where he was able to go across the middle, settle in between his own defense and catch the ball with another safety trying to knock it out of his hands. So there's little things like that. And Blackshear and Pacheco, forget those guys. We saw since day one what they could be, and they're only mm-hmm. going to get better and better and better. And they are so much fun to watch. And Eric, listen, you have to deliver the ball, though, right? And I'm telling you right now, McLean Carter stepped up big after a really uh, shaky start where he threw a pick on a bad pass. And then you're thinking, then, you know, listen, I don't know what's going on. We could talk about Rutgers defense a little bit in that first quarter, and especially the run defense was horrendous. But that was an awful first quarter for him. But then he stepped up, man. And I, I, yeah, you got the turnovers. You got the three picks that you don't like. But I'm telling you what, he fired the ball downfield. He found his receivers, and we have not seen that. So I thought he stepped up huge and I think we got a, a, a gamer here we got a player here and that that I think is uh, Matt alluded to is what really changed um, the, the feel on the field 
Yeah, working with Tim, with Tim, you still, you know, as you are watching in the booth, I'm going sitting here like, wow, this kid could be something special. If he can stay healthy, they can protect him. Which the one thing the offensive line did do good last year was protect him. I believe they only gave up 16 sacks or so. But if they can keep him up and throw the ball, you can see he doesn't just go one option, maybe two, and then throw it away. It's one, two, three, four, progression across the entire field. And he's smooth back there. I got to say, he drops back there. He's like, he's hop skipping. Nothing's going to get, like, the, the blitzes that are coming at him doesn't rattle him. And he just throws the ball. And you saw he dropped some dimes in there, which was awesome to see. So I'm very, very excited. I believe it also gives the fans some rejuvenated energy that they needed because that first quarter was rough and everyone was like, oh, my God, here we go again. <laughs> For and sure. he oh, came yeah. out and did what he did in that second quarter. It's like, wow. Yeah, I mean, he just gathered himself. I mean, he could have gone in the tank there, and he, he just saw a different guy. They call him uh, a big Tex or whatever, and he just stepped up and said, "Hey, guys, we got to get this moving." And uh, you know, he just delivered some strikes down the field. And then you see, and then look, as Matt said, welcome Bo Melton. What a fantastic night he had, and he's can be an, a significant weapon. And we haven't seen him for two years, so this is, this, you know, it's a night. Listen, it's UMass. I get it, and we're going to get into the Iowa game. But listen, it was just a, it was a nice first game for them from the second quarter on. Just really a, a, a fantastic performance at that point. That's exactly what they need to go, you know, go forward after that first quarter. You need to respond the way they did. I believe, what was it? 30, what was it 31 straight points or 38 straight points? In, yeah, in the, in the second quarter, yeah. In the second quarter, it was an unbelievable, you know, unbelievable show by that man. That's what they needed to do. They handled their business. They got out of the game fairly healthy, I believe. You know, I remember last year got popped up a little bit, but he came back in the game, man. Mm-hmm. They do what they need to do. On defense, they definitely have to not allow themselves to get down like that. When you play Iowa, though, talking to Coach yesterday, you know what you get with them. You know what they want to do, and you're going to be able to have to make your adjustments to, of course, little wrinkles in the game plans, but you know what that what that culture is over there and what they want to do each down. So that's going to help them a lot going into game planning this weekend, being well, able to have an idea on what's going to happen with Iowa. And and they'll go in with confidence again, even though they beat Texas State last year. I don't think that they felt that that, that, that okay, we've, we've got a team that can compete. It just, it, it wasn't a great looking win and then it just got worse. So that's why I said at the start of the show, we're putting all bad vibes out of, doesn't matter who you played. It's more how they looked to me. But now it is a step up in class. What, uh, last week we asked you at the end of the show, I did, I said, all right, Give me the guy on defense that we got to keep an eye on. And, you know, I threw out a couple of guesses and you came back and said, no way, it's going to be my guy, Tyshawn Fogg. And all he did was have 11 tackles, man. Like he was rock solid. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, Tyshawn Fogg, I've, I've just been watching him on and off the field. And you can tell it's all going to click for him because he's not just on the field a great player, but he's a leader. He's in the community. He's doing the things that put that's putting him forward. That's going to set him up for a long, happy, prosperous year, I mean, a career after football. And now you see him as the leader of this defense. And I don't know if you saw it in the game, but during the first quarter, they had like a little players meeting on the sideline when they went down 14 up to the month and 21 to 7. It was right after the first quarter. And he ripped into the entire team. Some words that we cannot say on air, but <laughs> yeah, he ripped into them. And you can see they responded to him. And that's the type of guy that you need to gather everyone up getting our nerves around now. Let's go play how we know how to play. What are some of the things he does uh, in the community? Uh, Let our listeners know. Yeah, I I know he's he's with the athletes in action. He's always participating in in, in my walk and things of that nature, coming out, 
you know, showing face, making sure that he's there. Mm-hmm. I know that he get, he gets involved in a lot of like the clubs around Rutgers as well when it comes to with the academic clubs. So he's doing a, a whole lot. I'm just always seeing him on social media doing this, doing that. I believe he was a a all Big Ten honors when it comes to academics as well. So mm-hmm. very well-rounded person. Now, I'm telling you, when you get to know him a little bit. It's, it's, it's a pleasure to talk to him. It's awesome. Hey, Eric, you know, going back um, to the the run defense in that first quarter, I know they did make some adjustments, but again, you saw a couple runs at 30 plus yards. And again, you know, this, this is UMass and, you know, where our hands were up in the air early in this one. So it, it there is a concern on that run defense now where you're, you're, you're at Iowa and you know what they like to do? You know, they got you know, the bigs, both the big offensive and defensive line. They like to pound the ball. Um, you know, and actually, you know, they got a pretty good quarterback, too. He's probably underrated in the Big Ten, but, you know, Nate Stanley is, is, is a good quarterback. So what, what do you see um, from from the Rutgers defense going into that game, especially the way the, the defensive line, I mean, you know, did not play so great? That is very true. They have a veteran quarterback in Nate Stanley. He's gotten a lot of, you know, some time over the years now. But that offense, the thing is, I think that's going to help the defense because that defensive line did not play well. But the Iowa goes into a huddle every time and calls the play from the huddle and then lines up and you see what they do with their shifts and motions. UMass, they came out with a lot of speed and mm-hmm. Rutgers was not prepared for it. Coach, I said they were not expecting them to go that fast. Mm-hmm. They were flying, actually. And now, you know, when, when you have with Iowa, they're going to get in the huddle, they're going to line up through little shifts and motions. You, you know what you're going to get from them. Power, certain plays, you know what you're going to get. So that first quarter, they were gashing us with open holes because they were. Uh, they said that there, Coach Jackson, there was only um, a few alignments uh, that he missed. I, I thought I counted more than a few in that first half, just trying to trying to see where guys are going to be, what the call is, trying to get everyone set up. But the Iowa, the lineup, the shift of motion, boom, you know how to handle that. So that so lining up alignment wise, they'll be fine. Now the physicality. That's going to be something because you're hoping that working with Kenny Park over these past few years, these guys are going to be strong enough because these Iowa boys are big and mm-hmm. they're going to be trying to move Rutgers defensive line up front, getting up to that second level to the linebackers and eventually to the up to the safeties. And you're hoping that those three guys and the rotation that they have on the defensive line be able to hold the point and be able to double gap some of these gigantic Iowa line. Yeah. Now their best offensive lineman, Alaric Jackson, is injured. He's out. He's supposed to be like a first round uh, guy. Uh, and so he's out. Uh, so they, you know, you don't hope for a guy's injury, but they catch a break there anyway, because he's a monster. So, but anyway, they, you know, look, they'll, they'll have the next man up and they're always big. Their bigs are always, you know, those guys, uh, their, their lines always play really well. And in most cases, it's usually the difference in these games uh, where they'll grind it out. But, uh, you know, uh, there, there's still some positives with the, the way Rutgers uh, opened. And, uh, and and I think they can keep this one, uh, certainly keep this one close because uh, I was never a dynamic offense. As you say, they're huddle Ooh. offense. You know, and so, uh, you know, it, it's really going to be important for uh, for uh, RU's defense to, to show up in this. And if, if they have some trouble, um, again, we may, we could uh, we could see what we've seen in the past, but again, it's it, again on the other side of the end. Uh, you got to you got to believe that McLean Carter won't be sh- it won't be shaken in this situation going to a uh-huh. you know a big stadium like this, and and uh, I think uh, you know he'd be able to handle the crowd, and he's a guy who can. Uh, I just I just like the fact that I got a feeling that there's going to be really steady quarterback play when he's in there. Exactly, and he's a fifth year senior guy, so. The pressure should not get to him. He's played 
or seen a lot of stadiums that have been packed houses on the road and things of that nature. The thing is with with Iowa, you know, when I when I when I think about that team, like you said, it's not gonna be very fancy. It's not going to be very flashy. But the thing is with all with Rutgers, they're going to need to be able to sustain drives on third down. They're going to be able to, so the defense doesn't have to get wear wear and tear on them. Because you know you're going to get the ball run on you, and you have to sit there and hold the point, hold the point. Eventually, you get worn down. If the Rutgers offense can put up points and drive down the field and have those those drives that are eight, nine, ten plays, even you know double digit plays, eleven, twelve plays, and then put up points at the end of them, or at least get a field goal, I think that will go a long way for mm-hmm. that defense and helping them rest. Because we saw how exhausted they were last year and how many people went down because they just played so much. But if McLean Carter can convert a lot on third downs when they get in those third and manageables, I think that would be perfect for them, man. To be able to give that defense some rest and to be able to go out there and be able to have to deal with that offensive line that they're going to have to deal with. So uh, we'll stay, stay with the offense, uh, and uh, and I agree with you. I think Iowa now has to prepare for Rutgers differently, honestly, than maybe some Big Ten teams had to prepare for Rutgers last year, just simply because the offense wasn't there. Again, it's only one game. It is UMass, but it looks like there are options, and it looks like you have to prepare for what Rutgers can bring on that side of the ball. Who stood out for you? Who's going to be key on that offensive line to try to help produce some points in terms of giving um, – uh, the team time to march down the field because uh, there's one guy that they're going to face and he's going to be a you know an end guy he's going to be coming off the edge and AJ Epinesa big guy uh, NFL future so who are we looking at the guys is it going to be O'Neal is it going to be Vineski who are we looking at well it's actually going to be Kamal Seymour because we actually had this conversation last night McLean Carter's a lefty so remember it's always about the left tackle the blind side protect the blind side well, guess what? His blind side is the right side the house, so it's going to be Kamal Seymour having to protect that blind side with a guy in Espinosa, as you just said, uh, coming off that edge. That's not going to be easy for him, so Kamal Seymour's going to have to have a hell of a game trying to stop him, and I'm sure he'll be coming off the other side as well with Quan O'Neill will get acquainted with him early, but that's going to be protecting that blind side and giving him time to throw the ball, because we've seen when he has time, he will make those reads down the field, but Kamal Seymour is going to have to have a hell of a game on that offensive line in order to protect him and give him time. Can he do it? Do you expect that he can handle the charge? Absolutely. Kamal Seymour has now gotten a lot of snaps. He's not considered one of these young guys anymore. And I said about a lot of these guys now, they're going into their third year now in the program, you know, and they've had a lot of experience on the, on the, out there on the football field because they got thrown in the fire when they were such a young age that they've had to learn. But now when you get all that experience, you're a veteran guy out there, so I believe he'll be up to the task, and we'll we'll just see. Of course, it's not just one guy when it comes to offensive line play. It's just it's one unit acting in one because there's a lot of different stunts and blitzes, blitzes. But when they just go with a four-man rush, come on, Seymour is going to have to be one-on-one on protecting that blind side. But it's it's going to be fun. I'm, let's just say I'm very excited to watch. You know what I mean? I'm excited this time to see what this offense can do. And also, they have to feel good. I mean, they're much maligned in the offseason about one of the glaring weaknesses for Rutgers is the offensive line. In their first week, they had a very good week. Now, again, it's UMass, but they had a very good night. Uh, Carter had all the time in the world, and they ran the ball well, too. Now, again, they're, they're, they're going up uh, a, a, a level here. We understand going into the Big Ten schedule here and, and going to Iowa. 
But, um, you know, if they can, if they can handle, um, you know, again, we, we talked about the challenges of Iowa's line, but if, uh, you know, they sh- certainly should have um, uh, more confidence going into this game than they did. And one would hope that they can uh, hold up. Yeah. Give, give those big fatties up front some credit. They did a great <laughs> job. And UMass threw a lot of stuff at them. It was not like they were just sitting back in their defense and, you know, setting the four guys and start on the passers. No, they were blitzing. They were stunting. They were moving guys here. You know, this and that. The offensive line did a great job picking up the blitzes, reading the stunts, run blocking, everything they were able to do on that offensive line. You know, like I said, everyone says it's UMass. I do understand that. But they did a phenomenal job in what they were throwing, what was thrown at them. So it will be a next step up, and I think they'll be able to step up to the challenge. There are a 20-point underdog, and Iowa is ranked 19th in the country. It's the first Big Ten game of the season, actually. Uh, this will be the first conference matchup of the year, obviously, for both teams. But even within the conference, there there ha- there won't be any uh, for another week uh, after this. So anyway, uh, what makes a good game? Put aside victory, which you always begin with as the goal. But what does Rutgers need to come out with at least in terms of this game? If it is a loss, what do they need to do to sustain some momentum going into the bye week and then Boston College after that and and announce to the world that this is a different Rutgers team? Yeah, I'd come out and punch them in the face for four quarters, not one, two, or three quarters. All four quarters, you got to be able to arrive momentum into them. You know, you can't. When, when something goes bad, you can't just bottle up and go, oh, here we go again. No. You have to be able to get that momentum back, whether that's going to be in a special teams game by pitting them down inside their 10-yard line, or if it's a big play on kickoff return, or if it's a pump block, field goal block, or if it's an interception on defense, a big play on offense, whatever it is to sustain that momentum, they have to do it. They have to have a few of those plays each quarter. Because if you have a few of those plays each quarter and you have a fighting chance in the fourth quarter, you don't know what can happen. And that's what you want to see from the program. Them getting better, them getting better and competing all the way throughout an entire game and not the game being over at halftime or the third quarter. Yeah, and I think that's a fair assessment. Asking for a victory might be a lot, but... I'm you, asking. I don't care. I'm <laughs> I don't blame you, uh, but the reality is that might not be in the cards, but you've got to send a little bit more than a little. You have to send a message. This is a team, Iowa, that has designs on the West Division Championship, and they think it's going to be a really good year. So, uh, you know, send a message on the road. We're here to play, and and the rest of the conference has to pay attention. Exactly. And that's, I believe that we'll get a scar on our team that's confident, going to go out there and not get all shaken up and not get, let the pressure get to them. And I think we're going to see a very, very good football game on Saturday. That's what I can hope for. That's what I'm predicting. And right now, like I said, they they got me excited. They got me ready to go for week two after watching their performance week one. And hey, Eric, give uh, credit to John McNulty, right? I mean, he could have panicked uh, last week as well after that uh, that awful start. But he, you know, he mixed things up all night. He believed in his personnel. He believed in Carter. Uh, again, this is his second year now, so he knows the team. Uh, so that that's a good development right there. And I thought he mixed things up quite well uh, uh, last Friday. He did a great job mixing things up and what and what he wanted to do. We saw how much he's going to be able to use Raheem Blackshear, and that was just. One game, the whole package didn't even come out on what they're going to be able to do, but shifting and motion, lining them up in the backfield, moving them across the offense, lining them up in the slot. We saw what he wanted to do with Pacheco, lining him up, whether if it's in under the gun or most of the time running that zone read, 
out of the front. He's going to touch the ball, and I, I'm excited to see when he gets his hands on the ball. And then we got some guys on there, a lot of wide receivers, and a guy who we all know too well from Muhammad Sanu's uh, cousin, Muhammad Jackie, had a few catches in that mm-hmm. game. And I always watched him during the spring as he develops. During the spring game, he goes off. He has like 10 catches during the spring game, so I'm happy to see that now correlating over into a real game situation. And I believe we want to see a lot of him, Davon Robinson, mm-hmm. Isaiah Washington, uh, Shaheen Jones. They have a lot of guys now at wide receiver that can make plays. And, of course, the number one guy is going to be Bo Melton. He has to take yeah. on that responsibility. And, oh, by the way, don't forget about Matt Alamo. Two big catches yes. and one yes. where they were at a third and long. And it was looking like, and they were down 14 nothing. It was like, what's going on here? And there was a big reception that Carter threw down the field to him. So, you know, the, he, had to, he had a couple of big catches. And, you know, listen, we, we got to see what he where he can go as well. I mean, the tight end was a big concern, but this, this guy may uh, uh, may be effective. I'm glad you brought him up. I wanted to talk about him earlier because uh, well, I had a conversation with Coach Ash last night about him, and with Jonathan Lewis going down there a little bit, a little bit, you know, not to say spread thing at the time in position, even though Myers had a great game, Coach Ash said, after watching the film. But Alamo, he went out there, and in January, they said he was not ready to play. He was like 228 pounds. He wasn't ready for Big Ten football. He's up to like 248 now. Mm-hmm. He looks better out there. He's more confident. And he's doing the right things. He's played a lot of snaps that game, whether it was in the passing game or the running game. They have a lot of confidence in him going forward. He just has to stay healthy because that's the position where they're really going to need him to shine. And he has the ability. And as you said, when the momentum was down, everything was going wrong. And it was a third and long. He had that seven route to the, to the outside and he caught that pass. And it was, big it was perfect because they needed that play mm-hmm. in order to continue to drive and get it keep it going no question he's back home after uh, dabbling with ucla speaking of coming home it's a homecoming for coach ash uh, he was born in otumwa iowa uh did he talk to you at all last night about uh, getting back to iowa where it all started for him yeah, he says it's nice to be at home but he always he focuses on the football team winning one of the game you know you know he grew up in that stadium he knows what church some of the traditions and things of that nature but it's all about winning a football game, and he's focused on that. So that was good to hear from the head coach. Yeah, get a chance to say hello yeah. to friends and family afterward. Last one for me. How did you celebrate your birthday? And by the way, congratulations on ringing up another one. Hey, thank you. Uh, yesterday, I, I, well, you guys know I had the role model T-shirt, so I dropped the dog line of it, a dog edition role model T-shirt, which is pretty cool to see. Then I went to speak at my old high school and to the football team, and from there I went to cool. the radio show. So. It's a very busy day, but uh-huh. things I, I enjoy doing. So I was very happy to have a great birthday last year of my 20s. So I'm a 29. <laughs> hey, listen. Less than another year. Exactly. And, and don't worry about what lies ahead. We'll just take it one day uh-huh. at a time. Hey, uh, so can can our listeners get those shirts anywhere? How do they do that? Oh, yeah. The role model shirts are on ericlegrand52.com slash shop. And it's been a big hit. You know, I've had a lot of celebrities wearing it. And there's so many people supporting me oh, cool. and wearing them. And, we have a hat, we have a shirt, and we have a dog shirt now. So get your role model edition shirts. Right. Awesome. I know Coach Ciano uh, sent out a big shout-out as well, so I know he's always in your yeah. corner. Well, happy birthday, Eric. And uh, listen, uh, you're a busy man. I know you got to get on the road, so we're going to uh, let you go, and then we'll uh, we'll go ahead and cap the show off. But uh, thanks again for being on. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I really do appreciate it. And that's Eric Legrand, the color analyst for the radio network for Rutgers football. We'll be back right after this. Quick message from Zebra Pen. 
When seeking to find your path to enlightened writing, look to ZebraPen for products that deliver on style, function, and value. Find Zen in your pen. ZebraPen. Find us at your local retailer or online at ZebraPen.com. And follow us on social media. All right, we're back on the RU Review. Steve Titchener here with Matt Lachlan. And Matt, you know, a lot of the naysayers are going to be, okay, it was UMass, it was UMass. Now you're taking a step up. We'll see Iowa. But listen, it was a very positive development in week one. Uh, it was. I agree with you. It looked like a different team. And I think there's no, no reason not to believe that they can hang with Iowa. At least keep it close and make it interesting. I mean, it, it's going to be a difficult game to win. I mean, come on, anybody going to Iowa. Penn State going to Iowa. Michigan going to Iowa. I mean, it, it's a tough place to win. And it's so, an early morning game. It's 11 o'clock sure. local time start. And Eric has mentioned before on this show that he hated those games. It mm-hmm. does change a lot of your preparation. Sure. So th- there are difficult circumstances that Rutgers is facing. And maybe it's just the salve of a victory, right? The 11-game losing streak is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start this new year with a win. And maybe that's all it is. You know, maybe I'm forgetting how they felt and how anyone involved with the program felt after starting 1-0 last year. But, uh, you know, Art Sitkowski struggled last year mm-hmm. in, in that first game. It's st- He didn't look as good as McLean Carter looked against UMass. And so, yes, it is a step up in class. You have to put the UMass game in perspective. But I think we're seeing the depth that uh, – Coach Ash spoke about. We're seeing a change. Uh, The defense is, you know, a a work in progress to a degree, but they settled down. But the multitude of weapons that McLean Carter has at his disposal makes Rutgers a more formidable team. Mm -hmm. What that means ultimately in the Big Ten, that'll be played out. That East schedule is a tough one. Uh, Michigan is looming not too far in the distant mm-hmm. future. and Got him at the know, end of the month. And you wrap up with Ohio State and Penn State. And mm-hmm. look, it's not easy, but that's not what their concern is. Their concern is showing that they can play with the big boys and the yeah. laughter, the chatter off of last year's disaster and, and show that, you know, Chris Ash has got something going here. Because I also think it's important long range. I don't think you want, and I know a lot of the fans who are diehards listening will disagree and probably, you know, driving off the road. I don't think you want to change the head coach now. If you have to, you do. That's what the big boys do. And Pat Hobbs will not be afraid to pull the trigger if necessary. Mm -hmm. But then it's another new program and it's another mm-hmm. new staff and it's another new philosophy and it's another new making inroads to the coaches that you recruit uh, their players. And I just don't think Rutgers wants to do that. I think it's important from a lot of standpoints for Rutgers to show that they're on a path that means that ultimately they will be competitive in the Big Ten East it won't be easy to ever top the big boys, but at least not be a laughing stock. And I know that yeah. sounds like a ridiculously low-hanging fruit, but that's where Rutgers is at, and I think it begins Saturday. Yeah, and, you know, move the chains. You know, these games get out of hand when you can't move the ball at all. Then you turn it over a little bit, and then you know the, these games can get out of hand. Uh, we saw that they the, the, this offense looked like it was game, right? 
We saw that. And let, okay, so move the ball a little bit. And then you hope they're close at halftime and can make something in the second half. You know, if it's going to get carried away, let it get carried away in the fourth quarter, but at least have a, at least have a game, at least, uh, at least uh, be competitive. Be competitive mm-hmm. and move the ball. Absolutely. And that's, that, that, that's what you're hoping for. Absolutely. And then and we'll if you sink. can do that, even if it results in a loss, but there's reason to believe, hey, you played, you went on the road, you played a top 20 team, a team that has designs on the West Division championship mm-hmm. and a big bowl game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we've got a week off to prepare for Boston College. So you'll have that off week. Then you've got a BC team you could be, but it'll be at home. Mm-hmm. The fans will get engaged and maybe the students, like yeah. they were booing. Everybody was booing early, but then by the end of the night, the students were going crazy. I think Steve Politi at NJ.com, I think it was Steve. It might've been one of his colleagues, but at any rate, he he wrote a story where he sat in the student yeah. section and they were like horrible, but that at the end, it was the greatest experience of their yeah. life. And so now you build a little of excitement. Sure. sure. And also, oh, by the way, the students came out and there was a better crowd than than initially anticipated. So uh, that was a positive. There was a lot of positives in that first week. So uh, and there's and a lot to uh, build on. But you know, look, it's it's it's, it's sixty nine thousand rabid fans there in Iowa. They're into their football. They will pack it even for Rutgers. They will pack that stadium. And so it uh, it will be a lively atmosphere. But uh, you know, let's see uh, let's see how Rutgers fares. And that'll do it for our second week of RU Review. I'm Steve Titchener here with Matt Lachlan. We're sponsored by Zebra Pen. Find Zen in your pen. We'll be back next week with week three, and we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. <laughs>